0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson, 92 yards. And <laughs> up He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Pass road. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately he got the good. handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the QA. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
1: From the TOJ Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time for another edition of the Jets 2020 Offseason Roundtable. Next up on the roundtable is a return guest, somebody I love to talk to about football and basketball because he's a basketball writer for the New York Daily News, but he's also a huge Jets fan. So he's actually now the second Daily News writer to be a fairly regular guest on this show. The other, of course, is Manish Mehta, who covers the Jets. Mr. Christian Winfield. Christian, first of all, I just want to say, I know I've told you this privately, but I wanted to say it on the podcast. Congratulations on the job this summer that you got with the New York Daily News. That's such an awesome story. You know I'm a big fan of your work, and I probably bother you more than I should about basketball news and picking your brain. But it's nice to have somebody that I'm on good terms with. That is at the Daily News covering basketball now because I feel like I got an inside track. And let me tell you, you really deserve the promotion, too, because you've done such a great job for so many years at SB Nation. So I'm really glad that you got that opportunity at the Daily News, and you're killing it so far, man.
2: Man, I appreciate that. Number one, you're on good terms with me. I hope you're not on bad terms with any of my colleagues. We've <laughs> got to go, go fix that up. But no, man, I appreciate the kind words, man. Anyone that's, I guess, kind of at least remotely followed what I've done in my in my brief career knows that at a certain point when I got out of college I was working for basically nothing I was just writing freelancing here and there and to be you know at what I consider to be the premier sports newspaper in the biggest city in the world covering the only playoff basketball team in this city uh it's it's kind of a dream come true for this part of my of my career and of my life so uh thanks for those kind words man and uh cheers to 2020 man hopefully hopefully we got more more good things to come
1: That line about covering the only playoff team in New York, it made me smile so wide, but I'm sure it made a lot of listeners of this show upset. But we'll talk a little basketball at the end because I definitely want to ask you a question or two. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about the New York Jets and let's start with Adam Gase. Now, I know when Gase got hired and they had the introductory press conference, you were having a lot of fun with that on Twitter. But once the dust settled and we got to the 2019 season and we got to see Adam Gase in action, what was your takeaway from his first year on the job here?
2: It it was tough for me to actually even formulate an opinion on the guy because you look at the injuries. Everybody, he didn't even have, he really didn't have a quarterback for the first, what, five, six or so weeks. And, And it's just, but you know what I can say about him is I just have not been a fan of the way he just failed to utilize the best playmaker that we had on the team, which is Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, that was the most unsettling thing that, that I had with Gates. Now, you know what I'm saying? Now there's obviously he's, he's there because of of whatever relationship he's going to form with Sam Donald, wherever he's going to take him in his career, supposed to be some sort of quarterback whisperer. And that is, you know, to be determined, we need to see that happen. Um, and that's not to say I didn't like what I saw from Sam. I'm, I'm not completely sold on Sam as some Peyton Manning-type quarterback, but I can't formulate an opinion on that either because we don't have an O-line that's going to protect him. But for Gates not to utilize the best talent – well, maybe not the best talent, but the best playmaker on the roster in Le'Veon Bell was completely unsettling to me, especially when you can say like, look at the – if you it, uh, and just talking about this is frustrating to me because there's been so many times that I've watched these games and it's just been like, man – Give Le'Veon Bell the ball and get out of the way. Good things tend to happen when you put the ball in that guy's hands, and we just didn't do that enough this season. And that falls on Gase, and then he was just completely non non. I don't even know what word I want to use to describe his attitude towards reporters. Where I would ask him about it, it was just so annoying. Just the way he conducted that, and just his attitude with the media at certain times rubbed me the wrong way. And that's someone I'm looking from the outside in. You know, I'm not there every day covering it, so I know the guys that are around there were kind of frustrated, but. You know, I mean, I guess if I can be fair, um, it, it it's hard to to judge Adam GaSe on year one based on what he. I wouldn't necessarily. I don't want to necessarily say what he had to work with because that defense was was incredible. If anything, I I tip my my cap to Greg Williams because what he was able to do with all the injuries that he had to deal with was, was absolutely amazing. That Jets defense was tough. Um, but the offense was just for, for for Gates to be touted as some type of offensive mastermind, a quarterback whisperer. And for, for the offense to not really, it, it was really behind the defense all year. If you ask me, uh, that's a little unsettling for me. I think that a lot of that stuff, I think I'll be able to form a more complete conclusion on him, Based on what the Jets do in free agency, if they're able to go shore up some of those some of those key areas, they need to get in, in. You know, we obviously need to protect Sam a lot better than we did last year. I feel like he was he was a running back out there more than he was a quarterback. just is because he's running from all you know, these sacks or trying to. But uh, I think that Gase to me showed enough that he should be here for one more year. But next year is the year where you know if things don't start going going the right way, that seat starts to get a little bit a little hot in my opinion.
1: Andy Vasquez from NorthJersey.com was on to talk about this, and he said that he thinks that while Gates deserved another year, he would have him on the hot seat pretty much from the very beginning of the season. Is that more or less what you're saying?
2: Um, Very beginning of the season it probably is too soon. I'd say around. I want to see what happens in weeks one, two, three. And, and obviously, if he's saying very beginning of the season, I'm thinking week one. I think Gates has showed enough. In these last few weeks, that last stretch, these last couple of weeks that the, the Jets were able to close out the season on, uh, I, w- I was, I wouldn't say impressed, but, you know, the team was able to finish the season seven and nine. I'm kind of happy with that because if, if you if you take away the loss of week one in Buffalo or at or against Buffalo, where everyone kind of died in, in week one. That's a win we should have had, you know if c j mosey doesn't doesn't go down. I mean, if we don't start the season without Avery Williamson, this is probably a different team, you know, so there's so many variables, and that team kind of just I, if we if we win that week one game, it's eight and eight, and obviously if ifs were ifs, you know if we win that game, we might lose another game that we won, never know what happens, but um i i think that Gates has earned enough rope to to kind of get us off his back at least a little bit into the into next year, week four next year, things are still looking like this. Like the way they are this year If we're not seeing any progression from Sam Dunn If the, if the Jets still have Le'Veon Bell And they're not using him uh, If the offense is still behind the defense Then I have some questions for sure
1: You mentioned Greg Williams before Do you give him or Gase more credit? And I think it's weird to say That you would want to give somebody credit For a 7-9 and nine record But considering that the Jets started 1-7 and seven this year I think we all understand the context of that comment What do you think? Greg Williams, Adam Gase Where do you fall on that?
2: I, it's definitely, to me, I don't even think it's close. It's definitely Greg Williams. Uh, just in what, they, what he's been able to do with all the different – like, look at, our, look at our corners. We didn't really have any corners. You know, we got Jamal Adams is obviously the guy. Uh, Quentin Williams, I wish I would have seen a little bit more from him, but that's he's, he's a young guy He's going to take some time to develop. Marcus May became – I don't want to say he became a star, but look at him. He's, he was playing amazing this year under Greg Williams. And just the different – when you consider all the different blows that this team took on the defensive end to start the year and different bodies they've had to shuffle in and out of there and for them to really be able to, to be able to really hold opponents the way they've been able to do that, at least in the second half of the year. Um, I think it's really been impressive. It's a testament to what, to what Greg Williams has been able to do here. And uh, it's it's really been the defense that's been ahead of the offense to me, you know, like Greg Williams is the reason if, if it wasn't for Greg Williams, I don't think this would be a conversation. I think the jets would be well below seven and nine. I think we'd be having a completely different conversation. So, uh, I'm interested to see what different pieces they get him next year to play around with. They you need an edge rusher desperately, that would make the defense so much more dangerous. You need to shore up those corners. But um, for Greg, for the defense to have been as good as it was despite the different injuries that it, that it had to deal with, man, Greg Williams, that's the guy you got to show him some love.
1: What would you think of Sam Darnold in 2019? Did he meet your expectations, exceed them, not quite get to where you thought he was going to get to? And what do you think he needs to do in 2020 to take an even bigger step?
2: Well, one thing he needs to do is not get mono again. Now, obviously, you can't get mono <laughs> two times, you know, like it's not something you <laughs> do two times, but that obviously set him back. You know when you when you when you miss that many weeks in a row and then you come back and you're still a little tense, still a little tense you're trying to make sure you're not getting hit. I know, I know. As a byproduct of model, they had to set him out because his spleen was enlarged, and he didn't want to get himself in the spleen. You know, obviously he's going to be, be slow to come back after that. Um, was I impressed by what I saw from him? I mean, I don't think I saw anything this year that I didn't know already that he could do last year. You know, I know he's a little bit mobile. I know he can move around the pocket. I know he has an arm. I know he could he can sit in the pocket and deliver some passes. But when the pocket is collapsing, and we don't really have time to make these reads. You know, and you're trying to get the ball out of there. Of course, there's going to be some mistakes. So I think. For us to really see what what Sam Darnold is really made out of, we got to protect him. And if we're going to protect him, we got to go shore up that O-line. That O-line was garbage this year, you know? And, uh, I mean, that said, do I think Sam Darnold is a a franchise quarterback? Yes. Do I think he's better than – obviously, the news not too long ago is that Larry David called the Jets up and said they should have drafted Lamar Jackson. When you measure it against Lamar Jackson, you're obviously not – (laughs) <laughs> gonna, gonna meet that expectation <laughs> but i mean i i think he's a he's a solid quarterback you know and i think right now for me the barometer w- that with which i measure him against is you know okay whose progression is moving faster is it his or baker mayfield's right i'm, I'm measuring those two against each other because that's what it was they could have gone with one or they could have gone with the other and now it's like all right i like what i've seen from sam now let's see what happens with him and i think that uh you know i think i, I think sam will be fine I think that we just need – before we, anyone can even rush to judgment on him, we've got to protect him. And uh, until the Jets do what is necessary in, in fixing that O-line and getting him some more some – more, we need to get another, another receiver option. I, mean, I love Jameson Crowder. I think he was really the, the go-to guy for them this year. I think Robbie Anderson is coming along. But um, we're going to have to get him a, a, a regular – a real-life number one option, and we're going to have to protect him, maybe get another tight end in there. But um, it, it's hard for me to rush to judgment on him because he missed half the season. And then on top of that, he spent the other half of the season running away from pass rushers.
1: How confident are you that Joe Douglas can fix the problems around Darnold? That he can surround him with the pieces that he needs to reach the maximum <laughs> level of success?
2: Um, confidence level is probably at like a. If we're doing this on on a scale of one to ten, I'm probably like like a one point seven. I do not trust the. I don't. I don't, I just don't. They haven't really shown me much. You know, you, you go out there and you and you you sign Le'Veon Bell. To a big contract, and then you don't use him, right? And and the rest of the and and okay, and maybe that's not fair, right? Maybe that's not fair because last year and even in the draft, you go get Quentin Williams, which obviously was a great. He's a, he's a great player, he's a great talent, but the need at the time, at least I felt, was edge rushers, and because we didn't have any edge rushers, we say it's hard to put pressure on the quarterback. And Greg Williams did what he could without them, but you got to get him some pass rushers. You got to get him some. They didn't even fix the O line all the way. You know, we didn't draft a center in the draft. We go get a guy out of retirement. That was bad. You know, and it's just. I, that the off season kind of confused me a little bit, and for us to have been able to do what we did was okay. Um, I need them to. They got to turn it around. They got to show me something because right now, if if we come back into the year with the same old line and we don't show up our cornerbacks and we still are, we still have Le'Veon Bell and we're not using him, it's going to be a mess. So I I don't question that Joe Douglas wants to win. It's just he needs to take the right steps in order to get there. And you know you can't win if you don't. Secure yourself on the line. You got to have a good O line. You got to have a good pass rush. You got to protect. You got to have a playmaker. And uh, if we don't have those three things, we're going to be in the same place here next year.
1: In fairness to Joe Douglas, he's not the one that went through the draft process. He's not the one that signed Le'Veon Bell, and he's certainly not the one who, after signing Le'Veon Bell, decided not to make proper use of him. That would be on Adam Gase yeah. ownership <laughs> that is, that and is Mike Mcagnan. So we got to at least be fair to Joe Douglas, right?
2: That that is a fair point, but it's it's tough, man. I feel like sometimes when when you're a Jets fan, you everyone just gets lumped under the same category as as either inept or coherent and, and it's just been far more ineptitude than, than people being coherent in, in my span as a Jets fan. So I'm just not I'm not impressed by anything. I'm not I don't get hope. I don't get my hopes up for anything anymore because I've been let down so many times at this point. I'm hoping Joe Douglas comes along and blows me away with with what he's able to do this summer. But I'm I'm not getting my hopes up, man. I've been down this road before. I'm I'm not doing it.
1: So if Joe Douglas is able to do this, how do you think it would happen? You talk about the O-line. So obviously we all know that they've got to fix that. But what other positions would you be looking to fix, and are there any specific players along the O-line or any other position that you think they should go out and get externally? Because we'll talk about the internal free agents in a bit. But externally, anybody you like, any specific positions or players?
2: Hey, man, last year I thought, man, if the Jets weren't going to draft a a pass rusher, they should have traded their pick down and and tried to get D.K. Metcalf. And look at that. D.K.'s having an incredible season out in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and we still don't have a wide receiver number one. And it's not to say Quinn is not going to pan out, right? Obviously, you got to give him some time. But I think that we need that that playmaker that's going to be out there as a wide receiver. You know, we need somebody out there. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a guy who who monitors the the NFL free agent. why well, I couldn't tell you who's going to be a free agent next year, who the who the the Jets should go after, at least not right now. But you know, we need that. I feel like we need a playmaker at the wide receiver. I don't think we need to trade Le'Veon Bell. I think we just need to incorporate him into the game, our offense. And uh, hopefully Gates is able to do that next year. But if you're not, don't trade him for nothing. Get some get some picks. Try to get an actual impact player out there on 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 the wide receivers. Obviously, we we've spoken about about needing to shore up that O line. I think we need to get a center. Um, D, on the D line, we need to, to really got tackle those. Uh, those we need a pass rusher. We need some corners. Um. And I really hope Avery Williamson is able to come back, but ACLs are tough, right? And I believe that's what it is. He had torn ACL. I know in basketball tearing your ACL can be it can be a death sentence almost. There's it's, it's tearing your Achilles, miss tearing your ACL because that's an injury you can re aggravate. So how does he bounce back from that? I don't even know if they signed him to a one year deal or if it was a multi year deal, but that's a tough one to bounce back from. So we obviously got to shore sure that up. It's, it's it's all over, you know. Um, so. I think that we, at this point, we know what positions we have. We know that we have a quarterback. We know if we keeping Le'Veon Bell, we have a running back. Uh, I I like our wide receivers. I like that we have Robbie and I like that we have, I love what I saw from Jameson Crowder. And we know, at least from what we saw this year, is that no matter who you give Greg Williams, that defense is going to be at the very least functional. So if we give him pieces, if we add a pass rusher, we get some actual serviceable corners in there that can actually cover their man, Then we're then we're talking, you know, but, I think it's more so on offense. What does Gase need to be able to really take Sam Donald to the next level? And that has got to be your O line. You got to get a center. You got to get some tackles in there. And uh, I think mean, that's where that's where we'll see the next step for this team. Because if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't win. You can't win games.
1: Let's talk internal free agents now. You mentioned Robbie Anderson. He's the biggest one. Jordan Jenkins, a free agent. Brian Poole. Those are the three big ones. There are a few others, but who are some of the players that you would like to see the Jets keep? And are there some you'd like to see them wave bye-bye to, whether they're free agents or just guys on the team that you think deserve to be cut?
2: Um, think deserve to be cut. That's tough. Uh, can we can we cut most of the O line and just bring all new fresh? <laughs> let's draft. Let's draft all. Let's draft all offensive line. No, let's not do that. Obviously, we can sign some veteran guys. Draft some some guys. Um, I did like what I I saw from Robbie Anderson. Uh, In my mind, I was internally trying to debate, okay, is this guy number one wide receiver or is he a number two? Can he be the go-to option? And at times he flashed that ability. You know, he can get downfield and make some plays, but I don't think he's going to be able to do that consistently enough to be a number one. I think we saw some of that this year. I think they need to go get a a real-life number one. That being said, you know, Robbie Anderson is absolutely a number two. You know, and I think that you pay him wide receiver number two type of money and then you you can try to – Try to keep Jameson as your slot, and then you're really working with something. Um, but in terms of other free agents, I didn't really like what I saw from the corners. You know, you're talking about Brian Poole, and I get that, but there's got to be some other, some other, some other guys out there that we can try to try to fill in there. Um, it's tough, you know, and I know that the, the Jets we at seven and nine, we, we did okay considering where we started, considering all the injuries that we had to deal with, but. You know, I feel like we really have to upgrade on those corners because guys are going to pick that apart every year if we're not able to do that. So uh, that's, I guess that's where I'm standing on Brian Poole. I think if I had to pick one free agent to bring back, it would be Robbie Anderson. And um, I'm really not sure exactly how many other free agents are available right now or are about to be free agents. But if we're, if we're focusing on keeping guys, that's where I would start.
1: How worried are you about ownership?
2: Oh, jeez, what a question. How worried am I about ownership Let's see. I think in, in pro sports, the, the, the main goal of ownership is to win games. So if Adam Gates is able to put together a team or is able to lead, if Joe Douglas and Adam Gates are able to put together a team that is able to win games, I'm not worried about ownership because ownership isn't worried about anything if they're winning games. If we're not winning games, then that's a problem. You know. So to be worried about ownership, and, and when you say worried, exactly in, in what regard do you mean?
1: Just in terms of them being able to make the right decisions, hire the right people.
2: I mean, they hired Adam GaSe, right? So <laughs> like, they didn't set the bar very high. Um, I think at this point you've got Adam GaSe, and you've kind of got to roll with it at least for one more year. Um, it's tough, man. It's it's not like it's a it's a a, a straight pass to okay. You hired this guy, he signs this guy, and now we're a championship team. You know, we could see. Just for, I'm sure everyone, or as, as many people as were possibly watching, were watching Matt Rule's press conference. and What he was saying it was like, yo, this isn't an overnight process. You got to you got to set the process in, in place, and you got to really grind it out every day. And that's what we need to see. It's not it's not going to be something overnight. So I think for for ownership, they need to see this thing progressing. They need to see some type of improvement next year versus what they saw from this year. And you're talking about and an, uh, a tougher schedule, schedule, schedule. You know, the Jets need to win some games. They need to be healthy. And win some games, and obviously health is outside of of anyone's control, right? Like if you asked Avery Williams at the beginning of the season, he wasn't going to. He thought he's probably thinking he's going to the Pro Bowl. Possibly he's not thinking he's missing the year. But you know, I, I think when when it comes to ownership, ownership, everything, everyone is aligned on winning, right? Ownership is bringing people here because they want wins. People are coming here because they they can help somebody help a franchise win, right? So if everyone is winning, ownership is, is relaxed. Everything is fine. If it's not winning then that's where things get complicated. So I think we have to – I wouldn't say pump the brakes, but I think that uh, when it it comes to to being worried about ownership, it's more so being worried about this team and their success because that's when ownership tends to – and that's across all sports, not even just football. If if ownership is is concerned about uh, the people that, that are in the organization and them not translating to wins, that's when things start to get a little tricky.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began and sharing their products with friends and launch their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
3: Play like a jet. Play
0: like a jet.
1: How would you compare the ownership, the front office, and the coaching situation with the Jets to the two teams that you cover predominantly in the NBA—the Nets and the Knicks?
2: Oh man, um, she's, well, ownership on the Nets just changed. It was Prokhorov, and then Prokhorov sold to Joe mm-hmm. Tsai. He sold the majority shares. He's going to finish selling the entire share soon. But I mean. And that, and even that's a TBD, right? I haven't had very many interactions with, with Joe sai I've seen him maybe once or twice at Barclays, just in passing, said hi to him. Um, and then obviously on the other side, the, the Knicks have had the same owner for for God knows how long, and he's kind of he'll forever be tethered to the the, the dysfunction that the Knicks have had in the past, what two decades or so, God knows how long. Um, and then and then with the Jets, it's just a situation where you know, and, and it sucks, but the last successful memory i have of this jets team was was mark sanchez and mark sanchez is forever tied to the butt fumble so it's like how far did we really get along that but at the same time mark sanchez went to what was it back-to-back afc championship games right Mm -hmm. like it, it, it all it all it all depends so i think if i i don't i don't know if i could compare ownership across the three teams but i will so but but what you can see are different approaches to ownership like I don't think Joe Tsai has any input on what players the Nets are bringing in, right? I think that's solely Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson; those are the guys deciding on the on the roster. Meanwhile, Dolan says he doesn't want to be a part of the basketball decision making process, but for a long time that wasn't actually the case. He was he was, you know, in those meetings and trying to decide who's getting signed and whatnot. And now we've got the Jets, and I don't know actually how how do they how does how does ownership you can tell me more about this because I'm not too too abreast about how they do things. Is does, does ownership really sit there and sign the guys or do they defer to, to the people that they hire in the front office to do that?
1: A lot of the complaints have centered around that they meddle a little bit too much, but more so yeah. that they don't know how to hire the right people or make the right decisions. And so that's why the franchise has largely cratered over the last decade, and I think a lot of people are worried about the direction of the team in the long haul because they don't trust Christopher Johnson, they never trusted Woody, so I think there's a lot of that in play, the same way that Knicks fans feel about Dolan. I don't think there's that same feeling With Nets fans about ownership I think early on when Prokhorov took over And it looked like he was trying to be Some sort of low-rent version of George Steinbrenner People were concerned But once he seemed to learn from his mistakes Bring in Sean Marks Bring in Kenny Atkinson And do it the smart way And then now we don't know exactly What's going on with Joe's side But it seems like he's content to let Atkinson and Marks do their thing I think Nets fans are a lot more confident Than Jets fans are Does that make sense? Yes,
2: and and my my hedge, I guess, is I think that that Dolan tried to do that with the Scott Perry hire for the Jets. It sounds to me like the hires that they have made. I mean, and I guess it all falls down to the Joe Douglas and, and and Christopher Johnson, right? Is Christopher Johnson going to fall back and let Joe Douglas do what he does, or is he going to, as you say, meddle in that process? If he does, then that reeks of Dolan maybe decades ago. I don't know if that's still the case now to where he has impact. You know, he says he doesn't want anything to do with the basketball decision-making process and that he's leaving that to Scott Perry. But if that's what he says, and if that's the same thing that, that Christopher Johnson says, but then he's also meddling in that process that I think it all boils down to you got to have people who, a, you can trust and b you know, are are solid. And, you know, uh, Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson are solid cause it's because of what we've seen them put together in Brooklyn. You can say it about Scott Perry because of what his track record was before he came to New York. It seems like the Knicks kind of have a tendency of just ruining different things that they get that come into the building. It sucks, and we don't want that to be the Jets, and it's already happened with Le'Veon Bell.
1: I think a lot of people would say that's exactly what happens with the Jets because we've seen many times where players come here, and you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. I don't think that the book is closed on him just yet because it's only been one year. So as you said before, let's see what happens when they put an offensive line around him, but – so many times you'll see players that come in here and just aren't as good as they were previously, and then you see guys that had track records of success that come in here, and then they can't duplicate that, and I think a lot of people believe that there's some sort of curse around the Jets, the same way that Knicks fans feel that the Knicks are cursed.
2: Yeah, that that is a fact, that I, and I hope the book isn't closed on Le'Veon Bell, to your point, but just seeing how noncommittal Adam Gase was to a player with the talent of Larry, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to, to, to bring in a guy like that and then have him immediately have to start hearing about trade requests because the head coach, who doesn't really have much of a track record at all under his name, doesn't want him on the team. And then that same head coach doesn't use him the way that a, a, a running back of his, like you, when you sign Le'Veon Bell, you're supposed, when you sign him to a contract like that, you're supposed to get your money's worth. Give him the ball and get out of the way. And and even and it's not like it's not like we knew and we did know that the Jets didn't have an O-line going into the season that was capable of Sam Darnold, right? Of ca- capable of protecting Sam Darnold, let alone creating paths for Le'Veon Bell. But LeVeon Bell was still able to be productive out there, so why not give him the ball some more? Right? And then when pressed about these issues, Adam Gates doesn't give you an answer. When asked if you're gonna if you're gonna, you know, if he's gonna be a part of the team going forward, Adam Gates dances around He's just he doesn't answer questions. Uh, he, it just frustrates me. It frustrates me talking about him, man. It's it's so annoying. But um, I, I don't even – I feel like I went off on a tangent here and we're not even talking about the same thing. No, this is all this is all tied into uh, the Jets and the Knicks kind of running things that enter the uh, into the building. And uh, I don't want to see that happen in Levy. And he's been nothing but professional this entire year. Um, So I, I just hope that there's a way to fix it because that signing kind of was the signal to me that like, okay – this is going the right way. This is the first star that we've signed that I can even remember. I don't even know who, who the last star we signed was. Last guy I remember us that ha- having that, that big of a star was like maybe Darrell Revis, right? Has it been that long since we've had a star as bright as that? And for us to to get that caliber of a guy in free agency and then kind of just like not use him, it's really, it's really unsettling, man.
1: I would say that the last time the Jets signed a guy straight away in free agency who is as big of a star as Le'Veon Bell, would have been Curtis Martin back in 1998. Yeah. And if you look at other moves that they've made, there were big players that they brought in. Brett Favre, but he was a trade. And there were other really good players that they've signed. But I don't think anybody has been a top three player at his position, at a skill position that, as you said, is somebody that, People that are only casual football watchers know very well Le'Veon Bell is one of the best running backs of his generation And we'll see what happens over the next couple of years Whether it's with the Jets or somebody else But he has a real chance to go to Canton And the Jets haven't had a player like that in his prime in a long time Really since Curtis Martin So having him here and having that disappointing season with the offensive line I think really deflated a lot of people But Christian, as you said we did know that the offensive line wasn't going to be Top of the line I think where Some of us went wrong is that Our expectations were higher than they probably Should have been given a lot of warning Signs and I've talked about this on the podcast Before and you know exactly What went wrong with the Jets offensive line Last year it was really bad but They made what on paper look like Upgrades you got Kolechio Semele in Here from the Raiders right and yeah He was coming off an injury and he hadn't been As good but you figure he had to be better Than what they had you had Ryan Khalil Coming in here Off of the couch because he had retired But you figured he had to be better Than what the Jets were trotting out there last year First with Spencer Long Who was absolutely horrible And then Jonathan Harrison who wasn't much better So you figure you add those two guys To the line and it's got to be better Than last year but it actually ended up Being worse so this is another example Of how sometimes things on paper Don't really work that way in the real world And we've seen that in football And in basketball many many times
2: yeah, you know what did work on paper, the Leonard Williams trades. I, I I did think trading Leo to the Giants and getting those picks back was a really was a really smart idea. Just because we, didn't, we what we saw from Leonard Williams, it was just it looked to me like he was just regressing. It wasn't what we thought he was going to be. And and to get those picks. And then if I correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the fifth? Isn't the fifth round pick turn into a fourth round pick if 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 Leonard Williams resigns or something like that? What's the what's the deal with that pick?
1: If the Giants resign Leonard Williams before the start of free agency, that pick goes from a fifth to a fourth.
2: Okay. And that probably isn't looking likely either, right? I don't think he's gonna he didn't he didn't play very well in the Giants jersey. Um, but either way we got two two picks for him and uh it, it was just tough for me to kind of wrap my head around why you would draft Quinn and, and have Leo there when they kinda of play similar similar positions and now you have Quinn in there as the main guy. Hopefully we'll see. Um I, I think for Greg Williams the next thing is we need to see the development of Quinn. We need to see him turn into that type of guy who can just bully his way down the middle and uh I don't know, he's got he's got some moves. I like what I saw from him in spots. But uh we need to see him take that next step. Um but circling back, I guess that was a good move on, on the Jets half, getting rid of Leonard Williams and getting those two picks. So those two picks are gonna be big. Those are picks we can use on linemen. Those are picks we can use on skill players. We can get a corner with one of those. Um I, I kinda I like that move a lot.
1: That third round pick is at the top of the third round too. So that's almost like a late second round pick. And if Joe right. Douglas uses it properly, like you said, it could be huge in terms of rebuilding the offensive line or adding that playmaking wide receiver for Sam Darnold or even getting an edge rusher or a corner for Greg Williams. So we'll see what they do with it. You know how it goes. And this is the same thing in basketball. Draft picks are as good as the decision that you make with them. And we've seen Sean Marks with the Nets Do really good things Even with late first round picks So if Joe Douglas can do that With these mid round picks Which is something that the Jets Have not done very well at all Over the last decade Then this could be a huge trade for the Jets Like you said they weren't going to bring Leonard Williams back Not because Leonard's not a good player But because they had plenty of players On the defensive line that were producing So there was no need to pay a lot of money To Leonard Williams So to get premium picks like that for him Was a good move by Joe Douglas, I think we all agree on that I want to ask you one last thing Before I let you go, Christian And it doesn't have anything per se To do with football It has to do, in fact, with Basketball because I have you here So I just want to pick your brain on something real quick We got a lot of Nets and Knicks fans Listening to the podcast so tell me What you think is happening with both teams Where are they headed this year with the Nets Is it just going to be a one and done this year In the playoffs and we're all waiting for Kevin Durant Are the Knicks going to continue to play well Under Mike Miller Is Mike Miller going to end up being the long term coach And then general NBA observations Any hot storylines you think we should look out for What do you see happening throughout the rest Of the 2020 season
2: Man, playoffs. And that's the only reason they've been able to, to maintain their, their standings is because seeds nine through fifteen in the East are equally as bad. Um so it's it's tough for them. Obviously, when you enter the season uh with Kyrie Irving and then he goes out and then Karis Levert goes out at the same time. But they're kind of stuck in the middle of kind of like player development mode and and, and actual playoff contention and you kinda can't do both when you're in this scenario, right? You're building a, a four-year, well, really a three-year, because Kyrie and KD have player options on year four. Which, I mean, to be fair, you probably don't turn it down, right? If you're a 34-year-old Kevin Durant with a with a, a torn Achilles, you probably don't turn down a $42 million extension. But you know, when you look at the Nets, it's like, all right, well, what were your expectations at the beginning of the season? For me, my expectation was this: boom. Kyrie's going to come in. He's going to get these guys in order. They're going to get back to the playoffs. They're going to be a little bit better than they were last year, right? If if everything is healthy, if everybody's healthy, last year they won 42 games. This year they win 45. That was my number. All right, win 45 games, get to the second round of the playoffs, get killed, be reminded of why you need Kevin Durant. None of that happened because Kyrie got hurt. They looked terrible with him out there on the floor. Even though he looked good, the rest of the team looked terrible. They were awful on defense. He goes out. Karras goes out. They become an incredible defensive team. Spencer Dinwiddie goes on a tear. Then Spencer Dinwiddie, well, no. First, then uh, they signed Iman Iman Shumpert. They cut Iman Shumpert. David Noir gets hurt. Spencer Dinwiddie goes cold. And now this is a team where it's just like, man, what is the ceiling? So at this point, I think, hey, you make it to the playoffs. You're in eighth seed. You get destroyed in the first round by Milwaukee. And then you kind of get reminded of why you brought Kyrie and KD here in the first place. When you look at the Knicks on the other side, you know, they don't have these problems because they didn't get Kyrie or KD. They kind of spread the floor out. They got Julius Randle. They got a bunch of different guys. And uh, I, to be honest, I was one of those people who, I, number one, I'm not going to say I thought the Knicks were going to be a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination, but I did think they were going to be a 33 to 35 win team. Maybe well, No, not 33 to 35. More so like 30 wins. Um, and I thought that would have been fair. You look at the, t- the talent that they were yeah. able to put together. Julius Randle should have been better. He should have been playing now. He should have been playing before the way he's playing now under Mike Miller. And uh, sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes it's a head coaching change that needs to be made. Um, I was talking to Alfred Payton. I was I got to pick his mind a little bit. He was the guy who told me, Hey man, I'm Mike Miller, and he didn't really want to say it because it was the level of respect that he had for Fisdale. But he goes, Hey man, Mike Miller kind of gives me a little bit more leash to make mistakes. And you know, Fisdale's a guy with a quick hook. If you make two mistakes, you're you're up out of there. And I think sometimes on a team like this, where it's so many new, different new pieces that are coming together, you got to give guys the time to to kind of to kind of just get to know and and play with each other on the floor. And um, I, it just it just wasn't a good setup for Fiz, especially because Alfred Payton was the point guard on that team, and he was out for basically all of November. And once he when your only point guard options are, are Dennis Dennis Smith Jr. And, and Alonzo Trier. As talented as we want to think those guys are, they're not ready yet, you know. So he kind of didn't stand a chance. To be honest, this is a team where they probably shouldn't have had playoff expectations, and now they're outside of the playoff picture. I don't want to say you can still salvage the season because there's no salvaging it, but this can still be a 25-win basketball team, right? This could this can be a team that tries to win 30 games this year. They might all be on the back end, but why not? If you can carry that momentum into next year, do it. The object of the of the game right now for the Knicks should be building that culture and that environment where, A, bullshit and, and lazy effort is not going to be tolerated, and, 2, where guys are learning how to win. I like what I've seen under Mike Miller. You know, I think that he's, and and I think that a lot of people wanted Mark Jackson as the head coach, and I kind of was one of those people. But from what I've seen from Mike Miller, this is a guy who is playing, who's coaching like he deserves to be the, the, the face of this team right now until there's a star. And until that point, I don't see why not. When's the last time you've seen the Knicks draft a player and keep him for over five years? It's been a while, right? So at this point, draft picks aren't really going to save you. Establishing a culture of winning and teaching these young guys that you have how to win is what's going to save you. And uh, so is Mike Miller. I don't think you want to have R.J. Barrett with three different head coaches in his first two years. So uh, hopefully that was me giving you a brief synopsis of what's going on in those two teams. Other quick storylines, I think, going on across the league. Number one, keep an eye on Markel Fultz uh, in Orlando. He's balling out. He, he also hit two threes. That's the big step. Not only is he hitting threes, but he's just taking them. And the fact that he's taking them now <laughs> after, obviously, uh, shying away from them when he was in Philly shows that he's He's kind of he's becoming himself again. And if he can be himself, what we saw in Washington for that Orlando Magic team that basically has needed a point guard. Last year, they made the playoffs and beat Toronto in one game with DJ Augustine, right? If Markel Fultz is what you want him to be or what you thought he would be for Philly for Orlando, that's great. And the other thing I'll keep an eye on is Indiana. Victor Oladipo is back. So the Pacers are going to be a team that might mess around and make the Eastern Conference Finals if Philly doesn't get it together. Uh, so. Those are two teams I keep an eye on. And, yeah, that's all I've got for you. I know I was long-winded, but hopefully I was thorough for you guys.
1: Hearing you talk about the New York Knicks, I heard so many things that if I close my eyes, I could hear you saying Jets instead of Knicks because there's so many similarities (laughs) to the situations with those two teams. It really is remarkable how many similarities there are.
2: Yeah, when you think about it, I guess when you do, I guess – I guess you close your eyes. When you close your eyes and you talk about the Knicks, you think about the Jets. That's interesting. They both need to do some of the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no question about it. Christian, thanks so much for that. By the way, that is a preview of the Nets podcast that I keep threatening to start up. When I do, I'm going to twist Christian's arm into co-hosting with me. He doesn't know it yet, oh, but I'm going to find a way to twist his arm into it. Hey,
2: man, the Daily News twisted my arm with, with a check. If you said the check, too, I'm good to go. Let's get
1: it. All right. You know what? Let's see what we can do about that. I think play like a net could be coming your way sometime in the not-so-distant future. Christian Winfield of The Daily News, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Love talking to you about the Jets and, of course, about the NBA, too, a little bit. For anybody that's not reading your work, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't be because it's awesome, and if you like the NBA at all, you should be reading Christian. Go ahead and let them know what you've been working on, how they can get a hold of you, and how they can check out your work.
2: Oh, man. I mean, um, what have I been working, What have I not been working on? I work on whatever's in front of me. You know, I go to every Nets game, not with just an eye on the Nets, but also an eye on who they're playing. Um, when they lost to the Hornets here in Brooklyn, I, I wrote a big feature on Devontae Graham. And Devontae Graham is obviously the, the, the leading candidate for most improved player in my eyes. And that's because just look at the way he's been able to perform against a lot of these teams. If you're a Nets fan, um, number one, if you're a Nets fan, I'd hope that you know who I am because I'm the guy who is responsible for writing primarily about your team. But number two, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, a, a fair and, and balanced reporter. I call things the way I see them. So if that's, the, if that's the type of journalism you're interested in, you know you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Chris Blash. That's K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. If you're looking to find my work, newyorkdailynews.com slash sports, or just go pick up a daily news if you're in New York or any of the cities that have them. More times out do not. You'll find my work in the in the, uh, in the sports section.
1: Make sure that you're following Christian on Twitter. Read his work over in the Daily News. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.